thanks for downloading the audio podcast of this week's sermon. We pray you'll be blessed and encouraged with the words you hear. Good evening, everyone. It's great to be here, and it's, it's great to be uh, renewed fellowship with Paul and Esther again, and it's great to see them uh, serving the Lord in this part of the world. Um, we do, I think, me and Paul about the same year in school, possibly, so we may have been, well, he probably was a year or two older than me, anyway, but um, we're around the same age. Um, so it's, it's great to, to, to spend time with you all here. Um, I'm just going to give you a quick uh, summary of how us four guys ended up being here together tonight. Um, and um, as Paul has said, we're part of an outreach group called Bonded Brothers, who was formed back in 2009. And it, it came about because uh, at the time there was a move of God amongst gays who used to be in, in Fleet Bonds, Loyalist Fleet Bonds, in the County Armagh area. And quite a number of them came to the Lord over a period of time, and the Lord placed in our heart a desire to reach the bonds, men that they grew up with, knew and loved, and a lot of members of their families. So the Lord uh, gave us a vision to go into the streets to do outreach at the bond parades that happened, obviously, through all the summer months in Northern Ireland. And for quite a number of years, we've done that, uh, probably right up until the COVID started, more or less. Uh, we were involved in going out, and we were in Balmoney a number of years ago, and we actually met in this church before we went out on the streets to do the parade at Dunloy's Bond Parade uh, a number of years ago. So uh, the Lord gave us that desire, and, and we've done that for maybe 10, 10 years nearly. Uh, and then COVID struck, so we weren't able to go and shake people's hands and do all the, what we weren't allowed to do for two or three years. So um, during that time, a lot of us got involved in other things, and different seasons in our lives began, and myself and Glenn and, and Robert, his brother, got involved in missions into uh, the land of Swaziland in Africa. So we've been involved in that over the last number of years. Uh, Mucky, we shipped him up to Bush Mills to live out of the way, and uh, that's where he is now. And then Navin uh, will explain probably later that he has been led to another season in his life. And so we haven't done a lot in outreach over the last number of years, but we have uh, spoken at church meetings and various, wherever we're invited to, we'll, we usually go along and, and we speak and give our testimonies. Um, so as Paul said, my name's Dean, Dean McCullough, uh, and I was born and bred in Portadown. Uh, before I start my, my testimony, I just want to read a short passage of script, scripture. It's in Psalm 103, and it's verses 1 to 8. It just says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thy iniquities? Who healeth all thy diseases? Who redeemeth thy life from destruction? Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies? Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things? So that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all who are oppressed. He made known his way unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plentiness in mercy. So as I said, I'm Dean, I'm from Portadown. Um, born in the 60s, which is probably hard to believe, but I was born in the 60s. And um, I was born in an area called Aggerstown in Portadown, uh, which if anybody here knows Portadown, it's a staunchly loyalist part of the Portadown area. And uh, born in a Christian family, my parents were both Christians. Uh, they attended the local Free Presbyterian Church in Portadown. And so from an early age, I was made aware of the gospel and of, of the need of salvation. But as myself, it was myself and my brother, with two in the family, myself and my brother, just a couple of years between us. And um, looking back now, as most Christians can, they can see the Lord's hand upon us throughout quite a number of times in life. Before we even became to know the Lord, the Lord's hand has been upon us. And my first looking back experience of that would be my mum and dad had a bakery. And in those days, you were sort of left, the bakery was next door to the house, so you were left uh, in the house, you and your brother, and you were throwing a few toys, and the parents went away and worked in the bakery, and like, like Esther does with Rhiannon. <laughs> and um, you were sort of left in the house, and the TV was on, and we were in the living room playing with our toys, mum and dad were working away in the bakery. And the next thing, the TV happened to go on fire, some electrical fault or whatever. And... Um, the house that we lived in at that time was completely gutted in fire. 
but thankfully, obviously, myself and my brother were, were rescued from that. And I just see God's hand way back then at the age of four and five, I think we were uh, at that time, uh, just to protect us and keep us. So we moved to another part of the town called Brownstown Park. And uh, for two young boys uh, growing up in their teenage years, it was like heaven on earth because there was two big football pitches just down the street from where we lived. We could walk within a number of minutes, a couple of minutes down to the football pitches at Brownstown Park. And from a, we got home from school till the lights it became too dark to play. We played football down in Brownstown Park with our friends. And it was a perfect childhood for young, two young men who, who loved football. And so that's what, that's what we done, right, until our mid-teens. And then another passion came into our lives. So we loved football, both me and my brother. And then we got involved in, in, in the flute band scene. And the culture of the flute bands, uh, we, we, we joined two lo a local flute band um, in our mid-teens. And we also played football. So that, that time in my life, my life was fulfilled really as a young man. I had football practice two nights a week. I had football on a Saturday. I had band practice on a Monday night. I had band parades on the Friday and Saturday. So it was a pretty full lifestyle and, and really... Um, God was, was slipping down the scale, you know, I just became absorbed in these things and, and, and God certainly was not uh, in the foremost of my thoughts as a young man. And um, as my teenage years go on, the football was, was going fairly well, um, I signed for Portadown, we both signed for Portadown in, in early teens and went on to play for the first team at Portadown and then I moved on to Glenavon. I actually played in Korean for a year or two, so I don't know if anybody would remember that long ago, but it's quite a bit while ago. In 1987, I played for Korean for a season. But um, football was going really well uh, for us both, so it, it was a big part of our life. And, and the band, we, we loved praying with, with the band, Borderline Defenders Street Band, who we were, we were both members of. Um, we'd done that for, for most of our teenage years. But I, I, and those things themselves, there's nothing wrong but there's a culture which attaches itself to them and I quickly became attached to that culture, which was the drinking and, and the, the alcohol and, and the, the clubs and the pubs and the social clubs after the games and the, and the matches and that became a big part of our life as well. And also, as I said, the Agnes time where we grew up was a staunchly loyalist story and um, you couldn't help but be impacted by the troubles because we were part of that area in, in the early 70s, early 80s, where the violence in the country was going on, and we were witness to some of the bombing and shootings and stuff that went on in our area at that time, and, and we became witnesses to that um, as well. So that led us into maybe some other things that, that uh, we certainly wouldn't be proud of, um, ratting, but again, I, th I think God's hand was upon us that I never joined a paramilitary organisation as such, and it may not have been for the want of trying, but... Um, it was certainly, I think I was protected from getting involved in that because I don't know where that may have led me to uh, if I hadn't managed to get caught up in that. So as, as life went on, the things of the world became more attractive. Um, and, and I see there's, there's lots of young guys and, and young people here in the end and, you know, even the guys in the worship team. And I think, you know, the abilities that I was given to play football, <coughs> you know, we've got to be thankful for God that he gave me that ability. And if it's music or football or anything, God has given you that ability, young people, and just take it and use it for his glory. Don't let the devil and the world steal it from you because God wants to glorify you and glorify him through the talent that he's given you. So just take that and use it for his glory and, and, and stand up for him through that. Unfortunately, I didn't make that choice. And as I say, I got involved in the social club and when the game was over, it became more about where we were going after the club and where we ended up after the band parades and stuff like that. Um, but at the age of 18, I met my future wife, uh, Shirlene. Um, we dated for eight years and um, she finally persuaded me to marry her after eight years. Um, and um, we've done that and the Lord then blessed us with, with two young boys, uh, Scott and Luke. And then blessed us again with a third child, a daughter called Holly. And Life for me didn't really change a lot when I got married. I still done the things that I had been doing before I got married. I still played the football. I still was in the band. And if anything, it was probably getting a bit worse because I was 
two young boys at home at the time, going to the football on a Saturday, going into the social club after the match, maybe getting a lift into town, deciding to stay in town for the two or three or four hours and, and land home maybe on a, on a Saturday night at nine or ten o'clock with maybe what I thought was the tea was maybe a cool bag of chips or something or a Chinese or something, which wouldn't have been very great at that time of night. So it was a very selfish lifestyle, um, and I, uh, I'm not proud of it, that, that it was all about me. And as I said, I had myself a band football, and God was way down, down the list. But I still continued to go to church at a praying mother, and my mum would have prayed constantly for, for us boys to turn to the Lord. And um, even though I was still, before I got married, I was still been at home. My mum was one of those mothers who you always sat up until you come home at night. I'm sure a few you mothers do the same thing. Although nowadays it's a bit later than what it was then, because if you're after 12 o'clock, that was very late. But um, most of them don't go out now until about 11 or 12 o'clock at night. But uh, my mum would have sat up anyway, and I came home from the bomb parade or the football or whatever it was at. And um, many the night, I would have left her in tears in the living room as I went upstairs because she knew... Uh, I'd have been out in the, in the pub or, and managed the time of the night and told her lies about it and tried to cover it up as best I could, but she was aware that I certainly wasn't uh, walking with God and she would have prayed for me for many, many years. Um, so I got married and I moved into her house, had her family, and um, continued to go to church. Uh, my mum and dad, as I said, remembers of Bethany Free Presbyterian Church in Portadown, and I continued to go there. And... Um, was always aware that I needed, that there was a God, that there was a heaven and there was a hell, and one day that I would have to answer a question. And um, I remember sitting, my mum and dad asked me to go to a mission in the church one night, and I remember sitting in it, and the, the minister convicted me of my sin, and what he was saying was convicting me of my sin, the Holy Spirit was convicting me. And uh, it was just about how you reject God in your life, and on, on many occasions that you hear the gospel and you reject them, and that the God's word says that his spirit will not always stray with man. And that really spoke to my heart at that time. And it, it, it gave an example of a man who, who didn't heard the gospel many times but didn't turn to him. And, and that it took a tragic accident in his life to really bring him to the Lord. And I was thinking about that with two young sons and all. How I would deal if that was uh, to happen to me. But I didn't, uh, still didn't accept the Lord at that time. But it was sort of weighed heavily in my spirit for quite a few months afterwards. And in 1997, I uh, was going to bed one Thursday night. I'd been helping a friend move house, and I took a real uh, sore head, which is something I didn't normally get. So uh, I went to bed with a sore head anyway. I don't think I'd, I think I'd made took a couple of tablets, but it didn't really work. So I went to bed, and um, God's Spirit started to speak to me in a real way. And I lay in bed, and I couldn't get rid of this headache, and uh, I started to question if this was more than a headache, where I would be if I died that night, and, and where I would end up the next morning. And um, struggled with that, and, and the devil would always throw things at you. Uh, how are you going to go into work tomorrow and tell people you're a Christian, you sell the football lottery tickets, you do this, you do that. How are you going to tell the boys in the football team that you became a Christian? And God said, you know what, I look after that, that's my ball and not yours. And um, about two o'clock in the morning, I got out of my bed on my knees and asked the Lord Jesus into my life. And um, God took the ball. You know, the next day I, I went into work and I told the, the people in work, I'm no longer selling lottery tickets, that I'm living my life for Jesus from now on. Um, I rang the football manager on Friday night and told him that I became a Christian and I wanted to tell the boys the next, on the Saturday that I was now a Christian and I'm living my life differently. And with... Uh, legs like jelly. I stood in the changing rooms on the Saturday at two o'clock and uh, spoke to the guys and just told them that my life was different and it was all about God because he gave me the power and the strength to do that. I could never have done it myself and God just took control and the guys gave me utmost respect you know and I, I just told them that my life would be different from now on and, and um, I just thank God that even now there's two or three of those guys are now, now walking with God as well in their lives and we just praise them for that so, so life was good, um, as I say, with, with the three children, um, and um, uh, as many of you may already uh, probably know as well, um, the Christian life doesn't be straightforward, it doesn't be without its trials, its tribulations, 
and us as a family uh, experienced one um, with our eldest boy, Scott. Um, he, he was 19 years of age. We're a big footballing family, so the, they were, the boys are into football in a big way as well, and they both play uh, currently. Um, but Scott, at 19, was playing football on a Tuesday night and um, for lock all, and he um, had to come off, wasn't feeling very well at all, and had to come off the pitch. And then I uh, went to the doctor on the Friday with what he thought was an ear infection, and the doctor took blood, sent him straight to the hospital, and he, from there was brought to, or the following Monday we were told that he had leukemia, and um, that he was um, very sick, and that he had to go to, straight to the city hospital for treatment for uh, chemotherapy, of course of chemotherapy. So um, a big shock uh, to the family at that time, and, and in those times, what can you do but just cry out to God? You know, and that's basically what I done. Um, I cried to God, and a lot of people prayed. And um, we were up and down to the city hospital for eight weeks, visiting Scott in the hospital practically every night. Um, and I remember coming down the motorway uh, one night, just on my own the car, and just thinking about it all, and, and just the sort of thoughts in my head were eight weeks, eight weeks, and I didn't understand what that meant or what it did, but. Uh, I believe that eight weeks Scott was healed by God. Uh, he was released from hospital in eight weeks, and thankfully, he, last year he was completely uh, discharged from uh, all his treatment, all his cancer. So we give God praise and honour for that. Um, so where are we now? Um, we're still doing the outreach to the Band of Brothers. Um, I'm still involved in, in the, the Swaziland uh, mission team. Uh, and, and there's a team going in this year. I, I'm not actually going, but, but we have, I've been three times to Swaziland, and, uh, along with Glenn a couple of times, and it blesses us that, that uh, we can go there uh, and just bless the people over there and be blessed by them. Um, I recently moved church, uh, which is another season in my life. My daughter, Holly, is now the, the worship leader in Emmanuel Church in Lurgan. Um, so I don't know what to say. I need them church that I left. I need them church to go to another church, but that's what I've done anyway. <laughs> but listen, all I've done was move house. We're still, I'm still in the same family. I just moved house to another house. And that's where I am at the minute. And, and God's just blessed me and using me. And it's a new season uh, in, in, in my life in that. But just um, to finish off, just uh, there's plenty of mothers, fathers here. And I'm sure, as Paul hinted earlier on, a lot of you have family members people that you live in the same home with who, who don't know you or don't know the Lord. And um, as, as I said, my mother was a praying mother. And I remember the morning after I got saved that I, I lifted the phone. My mom was in work and I just lifted the phone and I said, Mom, I've got saved last night. And she said, that's an answer to prayer. And it's just an encouragement to all these people here who's praying, continue to do that. I have two sons who still don't know the Lord. I have a wife who doesn't know the Lord. And I'll continue to pray for them. So we'll just want to encourage you with that. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah, when we go to Swaziland, we are told to do a five-minute uh, testimony. And I'm going to try and do that tonight. So I'm Glenn Armstrong from Armagh. My testimony actually is very similar to Dean's. Uh, brought up in a staunchly loyalist housing state in Armagh. Joined the flute bands and played football at very, 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 very high level. <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I didn't. I was in the public where Dean was quite higher than that, but very similar. Um, brought into, uh, I was a fourth of four boys. A lot younger, it was 17 years between me and my next brother. Um, so when I was brought up, they had left home, actually got married and stuff, and they were uh, heavily involved in things, the troubles and stuff like that there. So I had people to look up to, living in a house in the state full of people like that, and you tried to make your way through that and make a name for yourself. And unfortunately, that's what I tried to do. Um, as a, an unruly, I wouldn't even say a teenager, I was unruly before that, and then right up through my teenage years. Uh, trouble with the police, trouble in school. I didn't do very well at school. I uh, didn't really do school at all. 
Um, didn't leave school with anything. Burnt my, my school bag and books and all the day I left it in the school. Um, couldn't really read or write that great. Um, but through the band, joined Armagh Through Blues. Loved it. Enjoyed parading up this part of the country, all over Northern Ireland and, and Scotland and England. And uh, as the same as Dean, at a young age, started taking drink. Uh, couldn't control it. Um, and it couldn't control me either. Uh, getting in trouble with that. Um, had older guys in the band that looked out for me, which wasn't good because then I would get into trouble and I would go and get into trouble knowing these guys could pull me out of it. Um, so that was that end of my life. At the age of 16, I started going with a young girl in Armagh and then was told uh, at the age of 16 I was going to be a father. Well, that really didn't sink in much with me because my life wasn't going to change really because, yeah, I was going to have this title as a father, but I was still going to run football, I was still going to run to the band, still going to run to the clubs and pubs. And unfortunately, it didn't change. I, I kept doing that. My girlfriend brought uh, more or less my daughter up in the first few years. I was there during the week, but really not there at weekends. Um, but praise the Lord, looking down the line, you know, we got married, we had four other children, and we're still together. Praise the Lord. Um, I don't know why she's happy about that, but I certainly am. Um, but just during the troubles, I looked up to certain people, um, one's here tonight, um, you, know, you try to do things, you try to impress people, and you're full of hatred and full of anger. In the IRA, I, I travelled four miles with a bomb under the vehicle that I was travelling in. Uh, I knew the same as Dean, knew the provision of God was on my life. Didn't think much of it back then, but now when I look back, I know. Uh, there was a gun attack as well that I, I, I was sort of close. Well, I was a target going into an army base and I was very fortunate. Seen a guy blew up from about here to the gates of the church from me, not even a lot closer than that. And these things really have an impact on your life as a young man. And, uh, you know, I needed saved. I needed God in my life. I was brought up in church. My brother was in prison. He got saved in prison. My mum got saved while he was in prison. So as a young fellow, I was brought to church, kicking and screaming, hated church, hated the ministers, hated the Sunday school teachers, just hated people. And they all love me, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I wasn't really a nice fellow, was I? Still not, maybe. Still not. But that's who I was. I, I heard about God. I knew about God. I had the knowledge of God. I had uh, first praise in scripture readings, first praise in attendance because my man and dad kicked me and thumped me down to church. Every meeting going in the state and, and farther feet, I was kicked into the buses, you know, uh, get you out of them places, you're only trouble here. It actually meant nothing to me, to be honest. Um, I didn't like church. Hated it. Until um, I was 25 years of age, I'm cutting out a whole pile of stuff, and uh, the Lord met me. I didn't go looking him. I didn't go wanting him. But I went to a church service in Newton Arts Elam Church where my brother lived. I was working up at his house. He had come home from England. And uh, I thought out of politeness and stuff, I'd need to go to church because I was working up there. And it was Easter Sunday. And the Lord met me. He sat beside me and he convicted me of my sin. This wee hard man from Armagh sitting in a wee church up in Newton Arts and the tears dripping him, not knowing what was going on. Under conviction. I knew what it was to be convicted because I had been convicted in a court a few times. So I knew what conviction was all about. But this conviction was different. This was heart conviction. This was soul conviction. And I knew I needed to do something about it. 
I didn't know what to do, though. Well, I always told people I did. But when it come to the crunch, I didn't know the sinner's prayer. I didn't know how to cry out to God. But in Romans 10, it tells us, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's all I could do. I sung a wee song in my bed that night. And it went something like this. Into my heart, come into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, come in today, come in to stay, come into my heart, Lord Jesus. And that's all I knew. And then all of a sudden, verses, courses that I had heard as a child started flooding back. And I'm like, wow. Seeds were planted and they were coming. They were growing very quickly. And I'd started very quickly to remember the things that I'd heard as a child. And the Lord saved me. Hallelujah. So I said that I, I, I didn't know how to really write or read. When I got saved, the Lord gave me a passion for music. All I could do was play a flute, and that's all really I still can do, is play a flute. I play a wee a whistle in church. Um, and he gave me a passion to write songs. I couldn't spell. I just started writing stuff down. But all of a sudden, I started, when reading the Bible and stuff like that, I started learning to read, started learning to write. And it gave me a passion to worship. And this was the first song I wrote um, as a Christian. I have no music. Paul, Pastor Paul says, people's impressed that you're going to sing without music. And I says to him, and I'll be impressed after it. <laughs> So don't laugh at me. <laughs> Be really polite. I know you people over here are really polite. Be polite. So this is a song. When I got saved, it was about Easter. I remember I got saved on Easter Sunday. And I remember about Jesus on the cross. But I placed myself at it. And this is a song that I come up with. On a hill called Golgotha, they nailed Jesus to a tree. With three rusty spike nails, he died for you and me. His courage demanding, his grace outstanding. And the stone was rolled away in victory. And we sing glory, glory. Hallelujah, Jesus is risen, we're free and forgiven, we've a Father in heaven, who cares for us and loves us, a brother, Savior, who took away our past. A king to rule us, a spirit to guide us. We've a home where we shall all meet at last. We sing glory, glory, hallelujah. Jesus is risen. We're free and forgiven. We sing glory, glory, hallelujah. Jesus is risen. We're free and forgiven. His courage demanding. His grace outstanding. And the storm was rolled away in victory. Sing with me. Yes, 
Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Now, sing it if you believe it. Yes, Jesus loves me. Stand. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes. The Bible tells me so. Amen. Isn't it the children's songs mean so much? And that meant so much to me. Be seated. <laughs> That's great. Stand up. <laughs> and stand. So, um, yeah. So I had a passion for writing songs and... Uh, Obviously, becoming a Christian, I needed to do something as a Christian, so my wife always complained that I was never in the house. Before I was saved, I was running to football, running to bands, running to trouble, wherever there was trouble. When I got saved, I was still running, every night of the week. If there was a meeting anywhere, I was at it. And that was good in, in some way, but not really as a family man, because she just said to me, you haven't changed. You know, my wife says to me, Glenn, I'll give you a week. Don't tell anybody in that week because it's never going to last. You're never going to fulfill this. You're going to make a fool of yourself like you always do. And I done the same as Dean went. I went to the pub on the Saturday. We played out of a pub. We took drink before a match instead of after it. And I told the boys that I'd give my life to the Lord. Uh, two guys that I was expecting to support me were the ones offering me drink. They never bought me a drink in their life, and they were trying to get me to drink. And one of the guys who was, oh, I just didn't want to say anything to him, he was the guy who put his arms around me and encouraged me, who now is a Christian. And uh, so I got involved in, in street reach with my church in Armagh Elam, um, and then I got involved with youth, uh, unchurched youth, which was fun. Not, It was great because all them guys reminded me of me. And uh, it was great, actually was uh, a real precious time in my Christian walk. And then I got involved for the Band of Brothers, which was a godsend for me, um, just to get out and do an outreach at the band parades and, and sharing what God had done in our lives um, in churches. And, and the women's meetings are great, I, I tell you. They loved us, so they did. It was great. Loved Mucky. <laughs> I don't know why, but anyway, it was great. We had went to Edinburgh with a band of brothers too, and it was good fun. Um, fantastic, oh, great experiences. And then I got involved with uh, ministry in Swaziland, as Dean was sharing. It really impacted me because I had no time for black people. I was a racist as well as a loyalist. Hated anybody that wasn't white and Protestant. And uh, the Lord really done a work in my life. Um, Praise the Lord. He went, went to Swaziland, served there. I've been, we have been serving in Swaziland for, oh, I don't know how long, 10, 12 years. Been over a good few times. And uh, precious people. We get to know people in the orphanage. We stay in the orphanage. Um, and they're like children to us. Still are. We've seen kids grow from that size to that size. Um, it's amazing. I learned, we learned to sing in Saswati. I, I, I might sing one later on if I get a chance in Saswati. And I'll sing a song now um, about love. You know, we can tell somebody we love them. We can tell people about, I love this football team. I love uh, whatever's on TV. I love, I love. And it's really only a word. It's really only a word, but the love of God is something special. It's something else, isn't it? And uh, this, this is what this, this song's about. This is a, 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 an African song I learned in, in, in Swaziland. It's in, in English. And it goes something like this. People of this world 
Their love comes and goes. Its conditional love is all they have. The people of this world, their love comes and goes. Conditional love is all we have. But the love of God is unconditional. It's the greatest love of all. Lord, I love you forever. Lord, I love you forever. No other hero will take your place. No other hero will take your place. You're always in my heart through sunshine and rain. You'll never cease to love me. You'll never let me down. You're always in my heart through sunshine and rain. You'll never cease to love me. You never let me down. You'll never cease to love me. And you'll never let me down. He is clapping for me coming up here, or Glenn come down. Thank you, Glenn. Well, I don't know where to start at for... It's a long time for me to give my testimony, but... I want to give you a verse, first of all, Isaiah 41, verse 10, and the Word of God says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And this was a verse was given to me the night that I got saved. I was born in a village called Coh, C-O-A-G-H, Coh just five miles from Cookstown. I was not born into a Christian family, but my parents always made sure that we went to Sunday school because my grandmother and grandfather were Christians. And we went to Sunday school. And let me tell you, if any youngs are a Sunday school teacher, if any youngs teach children, in Sunday school, be blessed because it is such an important part of your life. It's important to them because I can still remember the very first verse that I learned in Sunday school. I could remember my two brothers and myself walking to that Sunday school class and sitting down in front of Yule Badger, my Sunday school teacher. And one after the other, we quoted that verse, Romans 3 and verse 23, for all have sinned and come short to the glory of God. And that's something that stuck with me all my life. I've never, ever forgotten it. And I can still see that today in my mind's eye. But you know, I never, it never meant anything at that time. We went to Sunday school, we went to the children's meetings, but whenever we come of an age, we I sort of left ourselves and we weren't pressurized into going anywhere. If you, uh, one of my neighbors, uh, uh, a man by the name of Ian Wilson, Ian's now a, a Baptist pastor, and him and I would have went to the local Baptist church to the meetings on a Friday night and things like that, but never, ever went on with God. 
went to school and I joined the, the local flute band, John Converse flute band, at a very young age of nine years of age because the 12th of July was in Coe that year. And I was so proud to walk the streets of Coe, my village, and that band. And that continued right through my life, right up. I, was, I got married when I was 21, but never left the band. But whenever the band season had finished, I took up the darts and was throwing darts in the local pubs. And that's how I put in my winter time. But uh, I'm not going to dwell too much in it, but I, 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 the Lord really spoke to me one night. And I can remember it quite clearly that we were sitting in our house, my wife and a couple of friends, and we were sitting in the kitchen of our house. And there was a lot of alcohol on the table. And the subject came up about God. And I turned around and I said to them, says I, if you believe that, you'll believe anything. I said, there's no such thing. Very shortly after that, the Lord started to walk upon my heart. And I knew there was a God, and I had a great fear that I was going to die without him. I had a fear that I was going to go into a lost eternity. I don't like using that word lost eternity, for I can't find it in the Bible, so it's hell. I was going to hell if I had a died. And as the boys said that the Lord maybe directed their paths and stuff. And I could remember working for a company, and I changed vans one day. I was driving a certain color of a van and I changed to another and I drove home. That night, another van came along that road the same color I was driving and there was a bomb in the road. And I believe the Lord had his hand upon me at, at, at that time. My wife, in 2003, rang me up. I was driving a crane for a company and, and money more, and she rang me up to say she was having an affair with a man who I thought was my best friend. I come straight home from work, and she had made her decision. and Then we talked, and things went on, and she stayed for a few months. But at the January in 2004, she left to set up home with this other man. That was quite a shock. We had two boys, and the eldest boy, Gareth, stayed with me and didn't want to know this other man, and a man that frequently was in my house. And he actually was sitting around that table that night when we had so much alcohol there. I found myself going out and out with a few friends and, and different pubs and stuff. And, but no, there was something else. There was something else in my heart. My heart was searching for. And it certainly wasn't the pubs and the clubs. Went to a local church and I, one Saturday night I was supposed to go out with these men and I said, no, I'm not going out, I'm not going out. So went to church the next Sunday morning and I knew there was something happening in my life and I knew the Lord was speaking to me. But like Glenn, I didn't know what to do about it. And I went to church that Sunday morning and I come home and just before I left the church, the, the minister said, look, Nevin, he says, I, I'm going to uh, Optoma tonight to, to finish off a mission. Would you like to come with me? And I said, I would, I'll go with you. And I travelled up with him that, that night, that Sunday night, Sunday the, the 14th of March, 2004. Travelled up with him and travelled back down again. And I remember asking him the question, how does somebody get saved? I said, not that I have any interest in it. I'm sure that was music to his ears. He knew there was something going on. But that next day at work, I knew what I had to do. That next day at work, I used to smoke about 60 cigarettes a day. Told one of the fellows at work, said, I'll not need these tomorrow. He, said, he laughed at me, he says, I heard that before. 
That night I came home and went straight round to the Reverend Patterson's house and he led me to the Lord, praise God. And you know this? He took the desire of the cigarettes away completely that night. Completely. I never needed them again. Never needed them. And again, people love to make little of it and you know, and then we have to confess, don't we? We have to confess, you know, we're, we're, this is what the Bible tells us. Went to work the next day and I said to this one person, I said, like, you know, I gave my life to the Lord last night. I've got saved. That's all I had to tell for he told everybody else. Isn't it great to have people like that? You know? <laughs> Praise the Lord. But you know, there was one person in the office and they wouldn't believe it and they, and they wanted me to tell them. So I went up to the office and this girl says, you know, Nevin, you've done something. I said, I have, yeah. She says, what did you do? She says, I got saved. She says, I tried that and God didn't work for me. God didn't work for me. But you see, friends, a lot of people think that when you do get saved that your life's just going to be one bed of roses. But you're just going to swan through life the rest of your life and no trouble, no strife, nothing. But that's not the case. That's not the case, as Dean said. You know, the Lord, there's trials come in and there's things happen in our lives. But we have a Savior who never forsakes us. Isn't that right? We have someone who never leaves us nor forsakes us. He tells us that in his word. He tells us that, that he stays with us wherever we go. I can remember my, my younger son also was in the flute bands and, and loved the bands. And I can remember going to lift him at an orange hall one time at, a, at band practice. But before he came out of the hall, this man came out and he says, Nevin, is there any chance you can give us a hand? He says, on the 12th of July. He says, we're very short of fluters. Then would tell you I was a dummy fluter anyway, but sure, look, I carried it. And I said, no. I said, that, that day's gone, that's past. My son come running out of the, the band hall, jumped into the, uh, the car, and on our way home, he says, Dad, any chance you could help us on the 12th of July? We really need fluters. So I said I would, not knowing why I wanted to do it, not knowing why. And unknown to me, there was two other Christians there. And the Lord got the three of us together and we started to pray in that orange hall. We prayed that the Lord would open a door for a mission. We had a gospel mission in that hall for two weeks. And one young man came to know the Lord through that. You know, God works in mysterious ways and times we think of our lives and how he works and he guides us. Fifteenth of March, two thousand and four, was the turning point of my life. It was the beginning of my life. I went forward. We started to to go to a church. We started to God started to use us in that church. We started with men's ministries and stuff like that, junior Bible classes and all that. And then he called me out of that. He called me out to, to go to something different. He called me out through Neil McMullen, Mucky's son. Neil rang me one day and he says, you're in my heart. He says, would you not come and help in Cookstown, Neilam? Would you not come? Prayed about it and we said, we said a word. And, but things just didn't work out, but the door opened somewhere else. I've been in Castle Derg for over a year and a half now. And the Lord is really moving and, and the Lord is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And you know, we were in church this morning and it just happened to, you know, a, a lady got up to give her children's story and, and how she talked about that if, if, the, if, if we build the church, we labor in vain. We can never build the church. We can never add to the numbers in the church. We can never drag the people in because if we did, it would be corrupt, it would be evil, it would fall apart. And all God asks us to do is be faithful. 
Maybe God's speaking to someone here tonight. Maybe God has been speaking to you for quite a while. Maybe he's saying to you to, to do something, to step out and to do something for him. He just wants you to be obedient and to do that. He just wants you to step out for him because it's only for him that matters. It's not for me. It's not for us. Whenever we start to put the eye in front of him, that's when it all goes wrong. And we need to put him first for his kingdom, for his glory, for his honor. All we do is for him and not for us. Once we become into that place that we think that we are in charge, we need to sit down. We need to sit down and cry upon him and seek him. And dear friends, that you are coming here to, on a Tuesday to, to, to fast and pray, to see souls won for the kingdom. There's no other way to do it. It's only through prayer. It's only through fasting and prayer that you will see that being done. You will never, ever save anyone. You can drag everybody into this place, but you'll never, ever save them. It's only him. It's only him. Maybe you're here and you haven't given your life to the Lord. Maybe you're here and he's been speaking to you for quite a while. Surely this is the night to do that. Surely this is your opportunity to come to him. I'm going to hand back to Glenn. He's going to... Are you going to come up again? No, you're not. Who's coming up next? Paul? Pastor, come on. If you need to speak to someone, your pastor's here. Speak to him. Speak to some of the lads. But don't leave it another night without knowing the Savior. Amen. 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 For listening to this week's podcast. If you would like any more information, have a look at our website at www.ballymoneyelam.com. <laughs>